We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Tabernacle of Praise with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. While you're turning there, today there was a lot of talk, you know, just about Mike's past and how he was as a dad and all, and, you know, the, the, the godly man that he was and all that. And the thing that was persistent was that he loved God and he loved God's word. And, you know, that, that's, that's incredibly important in our lives. Uh, there's a lot of people that search out God's word because they feel if they don't, they'll get in trouble or they feel it's my way out. It's a sad thing that a lot of Christians don't fall in love with God's word. Because to love God's word is totally different than to just know God's word. You know, it's, it's a whole different aspect. But when, when you fall in love with God's word, you, you begin to live it, walk it, breathe it, eat it. It just becomes a part of who you are. You know, every, everything that you do in life revolves around that. And, you know, a lot of people call that fanatically religious. Uh, if you want to know why a person would strap a bomb to themselves and blow themselves up to kill other people, that's fanatically, you know why they do that? Well, they're going to get the 1265 virgins of the 70. You know why they do that? They, they believe in their cause. They believe in their cause. They may be nuts, but they believe in their cause. You know, can we, I'm not telling you to strap a bomb on yourself, but what I'm saying is, you know, falling, believing in a cause is falling in love with it. So falling in love with his word. Hebrews 12, let's, let's read verses 1 through 3. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so a greater cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of, of the throne of God. For consider him, and that's that's the, we're going to talk about this, but for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest she be weary, lest she be weary and faint in your minds. Consider him. I, I want to talk to you about, let's just talk about tonight finishing a race strong. Finishing a race strong. During the Olympics, world-class athletes from all around the globe gather. The Olympics are so fun to watch because you have world-class athletes from all around the world, and they're there for one reason. Win the goal. That's why they're there. Becoming a world-class athlete takes determination, takes grit, it takes focus, it takes sacrifice. One of the guys that was in Jan and I's wedding, Ricky, he and his wife at the time were third-degree black belts in judo, and this was in 1980, and they were both set to go to the Olympics. And, of course, we boycotted the Olympics, and they didn't get to go. But to watch that guy, he would come up to our house and in our garage. Ronnie and I had a workout bag and a gym bag, and we had weights and everything. And so we'd body work out and work on the gym bag. And then Ricky would get up there, and he would do it with his hands and his feet and his body. And to watch him perform like he did made me understand something. This guy is thorough in his training. He's thorough. He does it every day. He's consistent, and he keeps going. To become a world-class athlete, you have to do that. You have to be consistent in what you're doing. You have to be thorough. And so I want to talk about becoming world-class Christians. We should be world-class. In, in the guise of understanding what world-class means, that means the best of the best of the best. Becoming world-class anything requires, number one, focus. 
focus. Your focus has to be on what you're trying to accomplish. That's how become, you, you become world-class in anything you do. Uh, you can't focus on more than one thing at in, any time and become world-class. You, you can't focus on more than any one thing at any given time and become world-class. You have to focus on one thing at a time to become world-class in it. Now, you, you can, you know, well, what about a decathlete? Because he does all of these different things, but he's focusing on what a decathlon is. And so it involves these different things, and so he trains in these different aspects. But he he doesn't focus on wrestling because wrestling is not part of the decathlon. It's part of the Olympics, but it's not part of the decathlon. So he doesn't focus on that. So does that make sense? You you to be world class, you got to focus on that one thing. So you can either do four things so so, you can do six things so so, ten things so so, or you can do one thing and be world class at it. Uh, usually world-class athletes focus on, on the one thing they're going to do. Now, it's not unusual in the Olympics to see someone that do, runs 100 meters to run the 200 meters. But their focus is sprinting. You don't see sprinters running 1,500-meter races, 3,000-meter races. They focus on sprinting. You train. You would think, well, running's running's running. No. You train as a sprinter differently than you train as a Long-distance runner, it's common sense. You, you train, you run different, you, your breathing's different, the whole thing. But the focus here is on sprinting. That's, that's what he would do. It's not unusual to see an athlete enter like the butterfly in the freestyle. You ever watched Olympic swimming? Butterfly, freestyle, do all those. That, but they're all focused on what? Swimming. But it would be highly unusual for a wrestler to enter into gymnastics. You don't see that in the Olympics. Why is that? Because they don't, they're not the same thing. So the, a, a, a wrestler focuses on wrestling, a gymnastics, so on and so on. So uh, why, why do they – you would think to become world-class, you would all have to do the same thing, right? You, you would think you would have to – there would have to be a certain amount of weights and running and getting your body in shape and doing all those things. But understand this. To become world-class in different events requires different types of training. Different events. So becoming a world-class Christian requires that you focus on what it takes to become a world-class Christian. World-class athletes understand that they can't focus on two or more different things and be successful. Intense focus. Focus. I want to, I want to you know, hammer that. Fo- number one, focus. The problem in a lot of our lives is we lose focus. We, we lose focus on God. We lose focus on His Word. We lose focus on prayer. We lose focus on all the things that it takes to become what we should be as a world-class Christian. You, know, you can't focus on doing more than one thing and then expect to be excellent, world-class at it. Now, I'm not saying you can't do more than one thing. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But to become world-class, you got to focus. So, you're, you're tired of me talking about focus? You know. Bishop, like, get off of focus. We get it. (laughs) In order to be a world class Christian, you got to focus on your spiritual growth. In order to be a world class Christian, now understand what world class. We're not talking about being worldly. World class, the term meaning the best of the best of the best. We should all be striving to be the best of the best of the best when it comes to being a Christian, because it's all reflective of Jesus Christ. It's all reflective of him. So we have to focus on spiritual growth. And so ask, ask yourself this question. During the week, am I more focused on my physical growth than I am, than I am on my spiritual growth? Am I, am I more focused on my spiritual appetite or my physical appetite? 
Am I more focused on my spiritual training or my physical training? Because it's easy to lose focus and get sidetracked from the spiritual. Everything has to have its balance, but when it comes to being world-class, you have, you have to learn and balance how to primarily focus on the one thing. Paul told us in Philippians 4 that spiritual growth is the most important. He said it's the most important. So that's where our primary focus. He said, you know, physical, physical there's, a little, there's a little importance to the physical aspect. It's not that we become slobs. You know, one of the things from the group that I came from that I recognized when I first got there is that they really were concentrating on spiritual and very, 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 very rarely concentrating on physical. Do you want me to go into it? I'll just leave that alone. All right, I'll leave that alone. There has to be a balance. There has to be a balance. But understand, in that balance, the most important thing you're going to do in your life every day is the spiritual growth aspect, not the physical. Not that you don't do the physical, but make sure that the spirit primarily have your eyes on that. So verse, verse 2 here, when we look at it, it says, Looking unto Jesus. Looking, understand, our, what's the focus of most Christians? Most people are Christians because they want to. Yeah, that's the focus. I need to get to heaven. That's the focus. When Paul said that's not the focus, the focus is Jesus. If you focus on Jesus, guess where you're going to wind up? That's just pretty simple. Yeah. So, so, but if you focus on heaven, guess who you may miss out altogether on? If you, focus, if you focus on heaven, who will you miss out on? Exactly. And then you'll miss out on, you'll miss the whole boat. So the focus here, he says, is on Jesus. Understand that Jesus is your finish. Heaven's not your finish line. The Bible never tells us to emulate heaven. It never says be like heaven. Don't do, do the things that heaven does. It never says any of that, does it? It's to be like Jesus, to emulate Jesus. He's the, when we can be like him, he's the finish line in the, in the race in our life. First uh, Peter 2 and 21, For even whereunto you are called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. So when we're looking on being a world-class Christian, we're looking at Jesus. This is simple stuff, but it, it's very surprising how out of focus we get. We start looking at other stuff. There are preachers in this world that were building kingdoms. Sadly, not the kingdom of God. They lose focus on who the kingdom's about and begin to build their own kingdoms. And it's that way there are many Christians that begin to build their own little kingdom. And it's not, they lose focus on him. And it becomes about the little kingdom. So why, why did Jesus endure the cross? You understand Jesus had a focus. He had a focus. Do you, do you realize in Scripture how, much, how many times the devil, the Pharisees, people would try to take Jesus off his focus? Have you ever noticed that? They try to sidetrack him with these odd questions or try to trick him into these odd, get, to give an odd answer so we can get you in the law. Or The devil would say, listen, this just like I did Adam and Eve, I'm going to do you. There's a lot of, because that was the primary effort he had. It was to, if he could get Jesus just to get off his focus. 
but Jesus had a focus. He, he was focused on the joy that was set before him. In other words, like an Olympic runner, an Olympic runner's focus, if you've ever watched a sprinter, they get in a thing called the blocks where they put their feet in and they get down and, okay, that's not their focus. Do they have to get in the blocks right? Oh, absolutely. Do they have to come out of the blocks right? Absolutely. Do they have, if, if you ever see a, a, a runner that when he comes out of the blocks, he stands up, let me tell you something about the runner. He lost. He lost. He's done. Because if you watch a sprinter when they come out, they've learned things about being a sprinter. They've learned that when they come out of the blocks, their body stays low. And if you watch their arms pump, and if you watch their arms pump in sync, which was the way their legs pumps, and, and, but that none, they're not focusing on any of that. That was their training. Their focus is on one thing. At the end down there is this tape. It's a piece of plastic tape. But they knew if they cross it first, they're the winner. Jesus is our tape. That's, that's where we're trying to cross. Do we do all this other stuff? Absolutely. That, that gives us the opportunity to win. So, so that's, where our, that, that's how an Olympic sprinter sees it. That's how we need to see it in the spiritual. Jesus was focused on your and my salvation. His whole focus. I'm going to get off of it, Bishop. <laughs> His whole focus wasn't the cross. His whole focus wasn't the healing. His whole focus wasn't raising people from the dead. His focus was to be the sacrifice so that you and I would have the opportunity to be saved. That was his focus. That, that was the end result. He, the other things took him to that finish line. Henry Ford said this, a weakness of all human beings is trying to do too many things at once. I've got that going on at home right now. Trying to do too many things at once. You know what happens? Should I say it again? <laughs> Focus. The U.S. women's softball team in, uh, won the gold in 1996 Olympics. In fact, they only lost one game. In the whole Olympic, in the whole tournament, they lost one game. In the fifth inning of that game, they were playing Australia. Danielle Taylor of the United States, it was zero to zero. And she hit a ball over the center field fence, home run. And in the excitement of running around the bases, she runs around and the teammate comes out. She doesn't touch home plate. Australians just quietly sat there and waited. And when the teams all settled down and got in the dugout, they simply appealed to the ump and the ump said, out. So they go into extra innings and Australia wins the game two to one in extra innings. The only reason that the United States did not go perfect in the 1996 Olympics was that Danielle Taylor lost her focus. Had she scored that run in the fifth inning, they would have won one to nothing, and that game would have been over just because she lost focus. Home plate was the finish line for her. And I want to say it again, Jesus, not heaven, is the finish line. Let's look at Philippians chapter 3. Turn with me, if you would, to Philippians chapter 3. <clears throat> While you're turning there, and this will be, be I'll, I'll try to wrap up on focus here and move on. Our, 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 <laughs> our society is so anti-focus. You know, we, we're so scattered in our society. 
you go running to and fro here and there. That just that's lose, that causes us to lose focus. We're so busy that we can't just stop and focus. You know why the family's having such a hard time in America? We've lost focus on the family. We've lost focus. And you can go on and on and on. Read Philippians chapter 3. Let's look at verses 12 through 14. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. But I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward unto those things which are before. Focus, focus, focus. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Listen, figure, you know, you ever seen a runner look behind them when they're racing? Yeah, they're not the winner. You don't look back when you're running. You just don't do it. You know what? Long-distance runners do that. If you watch a long-distance runner, especially when they get to the last two laps of that race, you know why they do that? They, They know who their competition is. They know all these people in the race. I have raced these guys hundreds of times, and they want to see where their competition is so that they know where to position themselves in the last two. That's why they do that. That's on a long-distance run. Invariably, what happens if you watch a race, the person that does that usually doesn't win. It's the oddest. You would think, okay, they've prepped themselves. They know who the competition is. But what they do is they lose focus. They lose, they lose, and, and, and something happens. And it's not every time, but generally you see it. That particular person, something happens. They, they lose their long-distance running. My brother was a long-distance runner. It's all about stride, and it's, and it's all about keeping that same rotational method. You keep the same thing going. And if when you turn around, you break that, then you have to reestablish it, and you lose time. So if Jesus focused on his finish line, listen, Paul is saying here, I look, he said focus on that finish line. Look at that finish line. Go to that finish line. Jesus had a focus on a finish line. That was you and I. Paul had a focus on a finish line was Jesus Christ. If they needed focus, don't you think we do? Sure. Figure out what distracts you. Take care of that distraction. Don't. There's no point in looking around. Figure out what distracts you and forget about, you know, hey, here's, here's how to win this race. These three guys, I've raced for 10 times. And these three guys, this is what they do. So you know what? I already know that. So I'm not going to look back and check that out anymore in this race. I already know about it. Figure out what distracts you and take care of it. Make a plan. Devise a plan in your spiritual life to just take care of that so that you're not looking back, but you're moving forward. Figure out what steals your attention. Take care of it. You can't focus on your career five or six days a week and then focus on Jesus on Sunday. You can't focus on your career five or six days a week and focus on it doesn't work. That doesn't mean you shouldn't focus on your career. It doesn't mean you should do a bad job at work. It doesn't doesn't mean that either. It means you focus your career on Jesus. Focus your career on man. It'll change your career if you focus your career on Jesus. Whether it's at office, listen. I I, I don't have a career. I'm a stay-at-home mom. But that's the biggest career you could have. I I couldn't do that. I'll tell you straight up. I could not do that job. Too hard. 
I'll do the one I'm doing. But it doesn't matter if it's on a job site, if it's at an office or whatever. You know, focus your career on God. Pursue the career that God blessed you with in a godly way. Pursue it in a godly way. Don't, don't lie to customers. And, you know, I know I, I work with people that would steal from the company because they felt like they needed a raise and the company wouldn't give them a raise. So they stole from the company. The problem was Pastor Don saw it. And the, the, the two things, when I hired somebody, I just told them, listen, there's two things. We can fix everything, but you can't, you can't kill somebody. We can't fix that. And you can't steal from the company. We can't fix that. Those two things happen, you're going to be terminated. Other than that, we can fix everything else. So, you know, do your, do your job godly. Bring Christian values and hard work. We heard that today, didn't we, Bishop? That Mike, you know, worked several jobs and he worked hard. And, you know, he was a godly man in what he did and everything he did. And you know what? It, it shows in his, in his legacy. Shows in his sons and his grandkids and so on. As well, listen, don't, don't let your, this is going to sound wrong, but stay with me. Don't let your family distract your focus from God. It's God, family, and then church or what those down here. Don't, 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 but don't let your family. It's, it's easy to focus your family on God. There's nothing wrong with going to Saturday soccer game with watching your kids. That's fantastic. Or whatever they do, it's fantastic. Focus it on God, though. Focus it on God. For us as Christians, there should be no distinction between secular and sacred. For, for, for followers of Jesus Christ, there should be no distinction between they sh- secular and sacred. God should be in everything that we do secularly. God should be in it with a sacred touch in our life. Finish the race strong. Bring home the goal. Run the way. Paul never said he won the race, did he? Did Paul say, well, you know, I've ran a race and I won first place. He never did say he won the race. He said, I fought a good fight, but he didn't say he won the fight. He just said, I fought a good fight. Verse 3 here, Jesus says that Jesus has some competition. Look, when you, let's go back to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3. For consider him that endured such. Why is Paul saying consider him? Because who, who is our finish line? Jesus. So if we got to consider our finish line, that's who we're looking at. That, that's where we, if, if we're going to finish this race strong as Christians, consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. As long as you're considering or looking at Jesus as the finish line, you, you can get weary, but you won't be wearied. There's a difference. You can get weary, but you won't be wearied. Because what Paul is saying here is that if, if, you don't, if you consider him, you'll see the contradictions. If you don't consider him, wearied means you're going to what? Faint in your minds. You're going to faint. And so the Bible tells us we can what? We can what and be weary? We can. All right. What's running? That's, a, that's our race. That's our, you know, walk and not. But Paul says, listen, if you're not focused on the finish line, Jesus Christ, you will be worried, and you're going to faint. It's going to happen. He, he said consider. The Greek word for consider is actually an accounting term. When, when you look up in the Greek, it's an accounting term. In other words, take account. 
take account of what's being done here. Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I'm glad he's the author of my faith, and I'm glad he's the finisher of my faith because I can't do either. That's why i got to have my eye on the finish line, Jesus Christ. He's the author and finisher. If I've got my eye on him, then my life can, my faith can be authored and finished in him, not in myself. He endured the cross. He finished the race that was set before him, and then he sat on the seat of victory. Paul says it wasn't a cakewalk. He faced opposition. You know, that <laughs> Paul kind of puts it lightly there because he's trying to cover a big subject, and he's, he's using a one word here. When, when you say opposition, when you're running a race, who are you running a race against? The opposition. That's the person that wants to beat you. And so what, what Paul is talking about here is that, listen, understand that Jesus had opposition. There were those that wanted to beat him, to overcome him, to be him, to be served like him. All this opposition. And then basically he said, basically it was just human sinners. The problem here was just human sinners. He didn't blame the devil. He, didn't, he just said it's a bunch of humans involved here, and that was his opposition. He said it's not a cakewalk, so understand this. Have you, any of you ever run a race? Did you win to, run to win? Do you have opposition? wasn't a cakewalk. If it was a cakewalk, you didn't win the race because you were walking for a cake. You ever done that cakewalk deal? Okay. I never went to a, run, a cake run. Went to a cakewalk. It's not a cakewalk. This is a race. And we're talking about finishing this race strong. Paul said for it to consider Jesus because he wants us to understand that we can finish strong just like Jesus finished strong. We can finish strong in this race just like Jesus did. That's what he's pointing to us, telling us. You know, it's not going to be easy, but the reward is unbelievable. Could an Olympic athlete be considered world-class if he won his event because no one else was racing he's the only one the gun goes off he runs can he be considered world-class if he's the only one running the race no not world-class he could be considered a sprinter he could be considered a good sprinter fast sprinter but not world-class because he's not racing anybody to be world-class means there's competition understand that could, could, he, could he be considered an Olympic athlete because all the other runners were disqualified? Well, they all ran, and they got to the end, but at the end, the judge said, well, listen, this dude is the only one that did it. We just dis- disqualified everybody else. You're the world-class champion. Even with the competition, understand that your competition has a goal, too. Your competition has a finish line, too. We have to understand that. World-class status comes from facing competition, not avoiding it. Being a world-class Christian comes from facing competition, not avoiding it. Many of us today in American churches want to avoid competition. Now, we don't compete against one another. The Scripture tells us we don't do that. Our competition is not within ourselves. It's against the opposition. But a lot of people just want to resist it and stay away from the. But you can't become world-class if you don't face on and head on with the competition. Understand as a Christian, you're, you're, again, you're not competing with other Christians. Our goal is to over, we, you know, we don't overcome one another. We, we overcome what? We overcome the world, we overcome the devil, and we overcome our flesh. But we don't overcome each other. 
Capo and Esther Kim grew up as best friends. Uh, they started as little kids, and they, uh, they both got into taekwondo when they were both five years old. Uh, in the trials of the 2000 Sydney Olympic Games, they were going to wind up facing each other. They were going through the trials and going through the matches, and they could see that they were going to face one another. And at this time, you know, they're, they're up in their late teens, early 20s, been friends all their lives. And in the final moment uh, of the bout before they were going to face one another, Kay's knee got dislocated. And so she, she still fought good enough to win the match, but she had a dislocated knee. And so they had to take her off. And uh, the problem was she still had to go and she still had to fight the match with her best friend, Esther. And so seeing Kay hobble off, Esther knew, okay, you know, there's no way. I mean, she's, she's no way she can beat me. It's not going to happen. And she knows that all she's got to really do is show up on that mat, and, she, and she's going to be the one that goes to the Olympics. And so all she had to do was just show up, be declared the winner. She knew that she would see her dreams fulfilled, that Kay would not see hers. But incredibly, when they got on the mat, Esther relinquished the match to Kay, who was, who was injured, and, and defaulted the match and gave the match to her best friend. Can you imagine that? You're about to go to the Olympics and represent your country and your best friends there. Get, and the True story. In this moment of incredible sacrifice and love, she bows out of this final match. She conceded to her best friend that her best friend could realize because she had time to prepare herself and get herself and heal herself and compete in the Olympics. And as they stood on the mat crying, Esther, Esther said to Kay, she said, listen, don't think I'm throwing my dreams away. She said, I'm putting my dreams in you. I'm putting my dreams in you. Listen, one of the things as they we're asking her questions, a reporter. She said, she said, listen, there's more than one way to be a champion. And so understand that as about a Christian. There's more than one way to be a champion. You can acquiesce to another Christian in situations and be the champion still. Because it doesn't matter in anybody else's eyes. It only matters in God's eyes. Being a champion only matters in God's eyes. Sacrifice is just a part of finishing a strong race. Understand this. If you're going to finish your race strong in this life for God, there's going to be sacrifice. There's going to be sacrifice. It's all part of what we do. It's all part of our program. It's all part of our training. You know, we, they were first called Christians in Antioch, and we call ourselves Christians. But, but, but technically, we're training right now to be a Christian later. We're training right now to be a Christian later. Think, just think about it a second. What we're doing here is going through all the training aspects, learning how to get in the blocks, learning how to pump our arms as a sprinter, learning how, focus, all of those things. All that's a training for what's coming. Part of that training, again, if you've ever, I knew a lot of guys that were sprinters. Uh, the weight training they did was very strenuous. Uh, they had jumping exercises that most people didn't do to, to make their calves strong, all kinds, all, and there was sacrifice. They had to show up early when nobody else was there. They had to show up, all of these things, and that's what we do as Christians. There's sacrifice. There's training. 
Uh, so let me end with this. Just, just finish. Don't let up. Don't let up. Y'all, we're too close. We are too close to the finish line. Jesus Christ. Not, not heaven. We're too close to the finish line. Now, there's nothing wrong letting up once you've crossed the line. Watch a sprinter. Watch a long distance. They all do the same thing. You ever notice what sprinters and even long-distance runners do when they get to the finish line? What, have you ever, anybody ever watched a sprint? When they're sprinting hard at the finish line, their competition is sprinting too. And sometimes it's in hundreds of a second that they win. And the only reason they won was they leaned forward. They leaned forward. That, you know what? Being a Christian, coming this close to the finish line, I'm just encouraging you. You know, at that last lean 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 forward when you lean back if you ever see a guy running if you want to if you're trying to pick out somebody to race and beat them watch the guy that runs like this they're slow they're slow that that it's the person that's leaning forward moving forward looking forward you can you can when you get past it and it's fun to watch spinners when you get past it right when they're done they don't just stop where they're at Number one is because of inertia, motion of body. But they do slow down. But you know what? Even in their slowdown, especially when they win, you watch what they do. They're letting everybody know, I, want, I know I won this. I won this. That's what your heaven's going to be about. Right now, it's Jesus Christ. But your he- when we get to heaven, we did it. We did it. Thank God for Jesus Christ. It was our finish line. We did it. As long as you're in your race, don't let up prematurely. Don't let up prematurely. Becoming a world-class Christian means to focus, focus, focus. I'll end with this story. I'm getting as bad as Bishop. (laughs) The 1961 Masters Golf Tournament, Arnold Palmer had a one-stroke lead going to the 18th hole. He had hit a real satisfying tee shot. He had laid up correctly, and he knew in his tee shot that he had laid up correctly would get him, and he could, he could finish out. If he finished out par, he's going to win. On his way, walking up, he spotted a good friend of his in the galley. Who, Congratulations, Arnold, and stuck his hand out, and Arnold said he made this terrible mistake, and he shook the guy's hand and said, thank you. And he said, at that point, I lost focus. My next shot went into the sand trap, and the next shot after that went over the green and trickled off the side, and I two-putted, and I lost the 1961, all because I had a good friend who, who was doing the right thing. Congratulations, Arnold. And he said, but I lost focus and sh- st- before it was over. Don't lose focus before this is over, y'all. And we're, we're right at the end. You're, you're about to take the masters. You're about to sink that putt. Take the masters. Be the victor. God bless you. Anybody have any? I couldn't let up on focus. Focus. Bishop, you have...
just to go along with what you're saying, I've noticed in pastoring people that excel in their career excel as Christians. People who are lackadaisical about their life, their career, are lackadaisical as Christians. It just it, it just pervades all spectrums of your life. Goes hand in hand. You know, don't listen. Don't don't think God's not gonna bless you if you don't focus on Him, and He's gonna do it in all aspects of your life. Focus. My buddy Ricky Westcott, the guy that was the third degree, he's he told me. I, <laughs> He said, look, and he said, I want you to focus on my eyes. Look on my eyes. And I said, okay. Ricky, now, Ricky was about this tall. He's not a tall guy, about five foot four. He said, focus on my eyes. I said, okay. And I kept backing up because I knew something wasn't right about this. Focus on my eyes. And I said, okay. He said, now, we're in a fight, right? Yeah. He said, focus on my eyes. And about that time, his foot hit me on the side of the head. And he said, you see what happens in a fight? You're focusing on the wrong thing. <laughs> he said, my eyes are never going to hit you. He taught he he taught me something. He's, he and his wife have a have a gym in Houston that they so God bless you. Look forward to seeing you this weekend. For more information about Tabernacle of Praise, look us up online at tabernaclepraise.org. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with our Facebook page. We also have a free app that you can use to keep up with events or be notified of bad weather, and you can listen to our sermons directly from the app. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day.